Happy Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode number 243 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Foster. I started this show in 2020 when everything got shut down, my gym got shut down, and I started joining these mastermind groups. And you know, you get in these groups and they always ask you to introduce yourselves. And let me tell you, 90% of people were really, really bad at introducing themselves. And so the more I started listening, the more I started reaching out to people and helping them put their stories together, I found so many people have a story to tell, they just don't know how to tell it. So I shifted from just solely speaking about fitness to just getting guests from all over the world, from six different continents. And we have listeners of 44 different countries because they want to hear your story. People need to hear your story. So hopefully by the end of this episode, those of you that stay all the way through, maybe you have something inside of you that you want to share with the world. And if you don't know how to tell it, reach out to me because that's what I do. I can spend a couple sessions with you, help you get that story together, and then I'll give you a slot on this show so you can break the ice and telling your story. We're all about overcoming obstacles. We're all about defying the odds and helping you clear whatever is blocking your path from what it is that you want to accomplish. That's the first time I started saying that, damn it. Anyway, today we're going to talk about overcoming childhood trauma. Because, again, all of us went through something at some point in our past. There's only a handful of guests I've had on here that have been like, nah, everything was squeaky clean for me. Sorry. So people go through something. And my guest today, Celeste Anderson, is going to take us through her story, how she was able to get through it, and what she's up to now. But first, real quick, if you want to support the show, and I love you if you do, you can go to shutupandgrindgear.com. It's full. And most places up, up here, middle of the country up. And we got hoodies. So that's white hoodie says shut up and grind on it. Or we have a black hoodie that says it never gets easier. You get stronger. That's what I tell my gym clients all the time. Like, wow, when are these classes going to get easier? They never will. But you're going to get stronger and grow more resilient and able to handle them. And this show is going to help you build that life resilience so you can deal with whatever life throws at you. So let me bring on Celeste Anderson, and we'll get this show going. How you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me today. My pleasure. Thanks for taking the time to share with myself and the audience. So uh, let us know where you're joining us from. I am in South Jordan, Utah right now. Um, I grew up in Maine, moved here about, oh boy, 20 years ago now. Ah, does the uh, New England accent sneak out every now and then? I always tell people, if you hear my accent, I'm either pissed off or drunk. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I've tried very hard to (laughs) minimize it. (laughs) That is great. Absolutely great. All right, so let's dive in. So, like, how would you describe yourself? Uh, How would I describe myself? Um, I'm a life coach. I'm a mom of four beautiful children. But to ask me how I describe myself, I like to just say I am because it's something that always changes and evolves and grows. So I really don't want to put myself in a box of who I am. I try to just be who exactly I need to be in the moment. All right. So so let, let me reframe the question. So <laughs> by the end of this, what do you want people's biggest take takeaway of who you are to be? Ooh, stumped her. You did. <laughs> oh, you really did. I asked the gold medal questions here. Yeah. 
people, to, I want people to take away from today that no matter what you're going through, no matter where you're at in your life, or no matter what you have been through, nothing defines who you are. You get to continually, continually, every moment of the day, look at yourself and decide what type of person you want to be and grow into that authentic, true self. Love that. See, that's what I'm talking about right there. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. So let's go through the ugly parts of, of, of your childhood. So just describe what, what happened. Well, you know, to give you a really kind of quick synopsis, um, when I was in high school, I thought I had the world in the palm of my hands, truly. Um, I was a grade A student. I had scholarships being offered. I had a photographic memory. I got two answers wrong on my math, SATs. Wow. Um, I had a second degree black belt in Taekwondo. I had my own studio teaching Taekwondo. I mean, I was athletic. I just, I really felt like I had the world all together. When I graduated high school, I went to Korea. And when I came back from that trip, um, one of my students came up to me, her, her parents, and they started talking to me and they were like, you know, Katie's been having a really hard time this summer. And she really would like, she's been going to counselors, but they're shut down. And the counselor asked her if there was anyone she'd feel comfortable talking to. And she said, yes, Sabanim, which is the Korean name for instructor. So they asked me if I would go to counseling appointments with her. And I was like, of course, anything that I can do. And the mom said, well, let, let it, let me tell you what's going on. And she started to tell me about the neighbor next door, the dad, and how he was sexually abusing her and his own daughter. They were friends. And she's explaining this to me. And of course, mom's crying. Dad is, I can feel his anger just building and growing. And he's like swearing and he's lucky I don't have a gun. And so I'm hearing both of these parents kind of hit me all at once. And all of a sudden I start getting this download. You know how when you're trying to, when you watch a TV show and they're trying to steal computer files from a computer and yes. you, well, that's what was like going on in my head. And I started to see and I started to realize all of these things that happened to me from the time that I was seven, seven and nine years old to about 17. And not only see them and revisit them, but start to understand that it's not what was supposed to happen to me. And it's not what was supposed to happen. It's not how every little girl grew up, which is the way that I believed. Um, So I started being sexually traumatized sexually molested when I was young. Um, It was not just one person, which was really hard for me because I couldn't understand, you know, like I started to think that it was all me, right? Of course, but it's what I was groomed to believe. I was groomed to believe that my own purpose, my true purpose was to make men happy, to satisfy them sexually. So my life imploded. I actually tried to commit suicide when I was 18 because closer to my 19th birthday, because I couldn't handle it. It was too much. I, no matter, I only talked to a few people. And when I talked to them, I got so many mixed reactions. You know, they would talk about how vile he was and how awful it was. And, and this was a family member. So it was hard because I loved this person. I respected this person. I looked up to this person. The one that was one of my worst perpetrators. Yes. And it, it was it was a lot to go through. And I spent the next couple of years drinking and doing more drugs than any one person should do in 20 lifetimes. 
I honestly don't know how I'm still alive. Well, I do know why, but I used to think, how am I still alive? And how have I not killed someone? Because I made some awful choices. I made some really, really bad choices with the mental state that I was in. But I know now that I'm here for a purpose. There is a reason that I survived that. There's a reason that I survived the bad choices that I made. And it has taken many, many years. I suffered 27 years of suicidal depression. Not a week went by, not a week went by that I did not think about ending my life. Wow. Not a month went by that I didn't try to plan something. And the only thing that kept me alive was my four beautiful children. That's what kept me going. All right. Let's let's back up a little because obviously you said a whole lot there. (laughs) (laughs) And so now, like, I'm not looking for the actual what happened. I'm looking for, like, how were you lured in? How was I lured in? Well, um, the how was I lured in? I don't know at first that it was necessarily lured, but it was it was a lot of grooming. It was a lot of sexual innuendos and talk. It was a lot of inappropriate touching at first. It was it was a lot of that. You know what I mean? The petting, um, uh, the things to make you feel special. You know, like you're the best, you're the prettiest, you're, you know what I mean? You're so special. You're going to go places, you know, let me, let me help you. Let me help you get to where you want to be. And on top of it, the, the person was my Taekwondo instructor. So I spent a lot of time with him, a lot of time with him. So I respected him as a family member. He was my brother-in-law. I expected him as a, uh, as a family member, as my instructor, you know, as a coach, like all of it. All right. And you, you never mentioned anything to your parents? No, not until, because I mean, again, looking back on it, it didn't feel abnormal. Gotcha. I saw him flirt with my sisters I, or at least one other sister. So the behavior seemed like it was normal, like what it was supposed gotcha. to be. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. See, I, I wanted you to share a little, a little deeper, just so, just so people listening can kind of pick up on these things. Like I remember my daughter came to me, she was in fifth grade, I believe. And same thing, you know, straight A student, you know, played sports, all that stuff. But she comes to me just one day, she's like, dad, I need to talk to you. And she's kind of a little teary, saddish looking. I guess a boy at the school touched her inappropriately. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you were saying with the father and the anger, it's like, I was, I'm a pretty chill dude, but it's like, you know, someone just violated my child. And so I was like, all right, we're going to, we're going to breathe. I said, let's, we'll go to the school in the morning. And, you know, I saw her teacher, but I told her, if you see this kid, do not point him out to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't care. I don't care if he's in fifth, fifth grade. He, he violated my child. <laughs> you know, I was like, do not point him out to me because it won't go well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we went to the teacher you know, the teacher took very swift action. You know, like they, they got the kid, they suspended him. Like he, he admitted to it, you know, he, they suspended him. He apologized to my daughter and everything. It's, but like, I wouldn't have known any of that was happening if she didn't just outright tell me. So I don't know if there were any, any signs or did you try to like, you know, I don't want to say cry for help, but if, if it felt normal to you, I guess that's a Right. Separate issue. There was no crying for help until I was 18 and realized mm-hmm. my whole life had been a lie, basically, and wasn't right. 
Yeah. So when that student was talking to you about what happened, that's what triggered those feelings within you. Right. And, and seeing their reaction and how that, you know, the mom was telling me things that were happening and that they found out, you know, and they were very similar to things that were, that had happened to me. And then the dad's anger and just seeing their reactions really made me like look and examine everything that happened and realize it wasn't supposed to happen. Okay, so what were your next steps from there? Oh boy, I went through years and years of counseling, different counselors, therapies, trying to heal. Um, and it really wasn't until about seven years ago when my youngest graduated high school and I moved to San Diego to take time for me to really internally focus on myself and heal this, that I was able to start to really work through it and heal it. So once you started realizing that all of that stuff was a lie, it's like, what was, what was your feeling? Like with, with, at that moment, not so much right now, because I know you're, you're at a different mental place now, but at that moment, what were your thoughts about your childhood? So many thoughts. Um, so many thoughts. <laughs> I hated myself because every time I would talk to somebody, they would, they would get so upset. You know, I had a couple friends that I would talk to, um, one other, a couple other adults that I talked to still not yet my parents at this point. Okay. Um, and it was really hard because I would listen to them talk. I would listen to him say how bad it was, how vile, how disgusting he was. But, you know, for me, there were parts that I enjoyed. So it was very confusing. I mean, there was quite a bit of it that I couldn't stand, that I hated. Yeah. And then there were a lot of things that happened. You know, the counselors would say that sexual abusers can smell out someone that's weak, mm -hmm. someone that they can take advantage of. Well, I was definitely taken advantage of because I was groomed to believe that that's what was right. So I was raped a few times in high school. I was gang raped my senior year. Yeah. So there's so many other things that triggered from it. And then I had to process all of that and understand that it really, it really was all wrong. So I, I really internally beat myself up a lot. Then I was brought up in a very good Catholic family that everything had to be right. And the neighbors couldn't know anything was ever wrong. So I had to pretend nothing was wrong because we couldn't let the outside world know there was anything wrong with our family. Right. Yeah. So it, it was, there was, there was a gamut of emotions. There was so many things to go through. And, and that's part of why the pain was so bad. I mean, my counselor, my psychiatrist had put me on like sleeping pills cause I wasn't sleeping and it, it just got so bad that I could not handle the pain anymore. And that's when I tried to commit suicide. So, so take me through that. Like, how, how was it? How was it? I don't want to say how was it? Because obviously, I know you, you were going through an awful time, just trying to piece it together. Like, how did it get so low to where you felt that was the only option? Um, once I had told most people in my family, some people in my family, um, it got very tricky. It split apart kind of my family. One of my sisters was, I considered my best friend and it got too much for her, too emotional for her. She had to stop talking to me. You know, there were a lot of, lot of pieces to the puzzle, but I just remember hating myself so much. I felt like I got to the point that I almost felt like I allowed this to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
There were some people that we would talk to, my friend and I, because I always had a friend with me when we talk with somebody else that would look at the fact that I was a secondary black belt and think, how could you let anyone take advantage of you? Like you're trained to protect yourself. But people don't understand that one, when you're groomed to believe this is what's supposed to happen, it happens. And then even when I was raped or gang raped, it was very painful, but you disassociate. Yeah. Like literally I was out of my body. I, I, I would be out of my body. And I remember I would just be there crying. I'd be just laying there crying and not, I wouldn't scream. I wouldn't fight. I just disassociated. So there's so many things that women go through that, or especially children that people don't understand and realize you don't, you're not taught to have that voice. You know, back then we, we didn't talk to our kids about what was appropriate touch or inappropriate touch. So we, I didn't know, I had no idea. I had to believe whatever I was told by this adult, but it was just, it was so painful. I just couldn't, I couldn't handle it anymore. So one day I just ended up, and I know I had talked to a couple of people those subtle clues that people give you. Like I remember sitting with one of my friends saying I had this Fiero, white Fiero, Pontiac Fiero back then was with my my fun car. And I remember saying to her, you know, I want you to have my car. I know how much you really like it. I want you to have it. That's a sign. You know, that's a clue. When, when people start talking about giving away things that mean a lot to them, that's a clue. Yes. Um, And then I ended up one day, I can't remember I can't remember exactly why I it was that day, but I just know I'd had enough and I went to take my medicine and I'm like, screw it. And I dumped my my all my pills, the sleeping pills. And then I had some pain pills from one of my knees. And then I just took them all. I remember wow. just putting them all in my hand and taking them. And I remember feeling the sense of relief. And then I turned around to go walk to the couch and I remember taking like two steps and that was it. I was on the floor. Wow. And luckily, my grandparents that were still alive had came over just in time. Wow. Boy, oh boy. See, so that just shows that it wasn't your time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Wow. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. All right. So, so now you get through that. How do you shift gears to doing what you're doing now? Like, just like take me through the gear shift. You know, that gear shift was 27 years. That gear shift was not something overnight. And this is something that I truly try to express because, and I want to say this first, sorry. Whenever I share my story, I always try to tell people, each and every one of us have a trauma. Each and every one of us have something that we have to grow through. And my story doesn't make your story any less. My story doesn't make whatever happened to you any less impactful because we all have our own journeys. So don't listen to me and think, oh my gosh, well, mine's nothing because it's not true. Yours is something. It's meaningful to you and you need to heal through it. Yes. Before you continue, I just want to double down on that because just like I said in my opening, my opening spiel, that everyone has a story to tell. And when I'm helping people create their stories, Three of the biggest things that people worry about is it's not going to be relevant. No one's going to want to listen to me. My story isn't good enough. Like you can take your story of overcoming years of sexual trauma and abuse. And I can take my story of when I blew my knee and was told I'd never run or jump again. Both of those incidents 
require a healing process, an accepting process, and a process that says, you know what, this is not going to define who I am. You know, it's like, yes, this happened to me, but that's not going to define me. And I'm going to create my own ending and I'm going to decide what I'm going to do with this information of what happened to me and use it in a way to inspire others. So even though it's two completely separate instances, but how you pick up the pieces and move forward, that's what makes everyone's story relatable. So like it doesn't have to be, you know, with what happened to you. You know, it exactly. could be it could be any type of thing. Like my two oldest kids are dealing with their mom pretty much abandoning them. You know, it's like I got one in counseling now and one should should be in counseling. Like same thing. You're talking a couple decades worth of just feeling neglected. And to for them to pick up those pieces, like you said, it took you 27 years. God knows how, how long it's gonna take them before they finally are able to pick up the pieces and move forward. But once you're able to tell your story, because you can help other people tell theirs. So right, exactly. There yeah. truly are different layers to the healing process. Yes. You no, know, I I like to describe it as you know, the universe brings us back around. Mm-hmm. We we if we it'd be too much to try to go through it all at once. So yeah. we heal a little part of it, you know what I mean? And, and we feel good for a little while. And the universe brings us back around and gives us another perspective, another little piece that's kind of triggering us and still hurts. And now we get to look at that part and we get to heal that part. Yeah. Um, I had thought that I'd done a great job healing it and working through it. I mean, so many different phases I went through. My 30s, I literally... I put on so much weight. I got up to 327 pounds because I thought if I just get fat, no one will ever touch me, uh-huh. right? They'll leave me alone. And that's how I can stay. It doesn't work that way. You know, someone that's a predator don't care. They don't care. <laughs> that, yep. that has nothing to do with it. So I had to heal that part and, you know, and, and go back to try to try to get fit again. Um, when my daughter my youngest child is a girl. When my daughter turned seven, I fell apart again. My whole world completely fell apart because I saw this little girl and I saw how beautiful and precious and innocent and how perfect she was. And all I could think about was how could anyone think, let alone touch her in that way? So my whole world imploded again when she was young. I couldn't hug my children. Every time I would hug them, I would think, am I hugging them too long? Am I touching them in the wrong spot? Am I? Mm-hmm. So I know, you know, they felt the disconnect and didn't understand what was going on. So I had to, I had to heal through that part. There are so many different layers that you have to go through. Yes. And when I went to California, I'd gone through a lot of those layers. And a couple of the layers that were really hard that I had to hit were forgiveness. One, forgiving myself because I beat myself up thinking that I really had control over it. And I didn't forgiving him because, and and it's hard because I teach a whole class on this and some people it's really hard for them to hear. But for me, I believe that we come here knowing what our journey is going to be. We kind of have an idea about the lessons that we're going to have to learn and go through. And, you know, I tell people, I can't imagine standing there saying, okay, Celeste, it's your turn to be born. You know, your mom's just about ready. It's time to go. And all of a sudden somebody saying to me, but guess what? You know, when you get down there, you're going to have to decide when you're a teenager, if you're going to grab an AK-47 and walk into school and shoot up the school, or if you're going to make the right choice. Mm -hmm. 
When you get down there and you're an adult, you're going to have to decide if you're going to molest that little girl and rape that teenager, or are you going to make the right choice and be strong? I can't imagine being that and still choosing to come down here, but we're here for lessons. We're here for growth. We're here for journeys. And we can't have those if we don't have both sides of the spectrum. Yep. So I, I learned to forgive and I learned to actually thank him, not in person, absolutely 110% not in person, but on a soul level to thank him for thinking that he would have been strong enough to come down here and make the right choice and for trying. Yes. So I, I underlined, I underlined forgiveness because that's, that's huge. And again, in all the episodes I've done, especially the ones dealing with trauma, PTSD, you know, things of that nature, that forgiveness is huge. And that I have these talks with my, my two older children too, with, with their mom saying that, you know, you have to forgive her. It's like, it's very easy. It's easy to be mad. That's why people stay mad <laughs> because that's the easiest choice to me. Exactly. I said, you don't necessarily have to forgive her for her. I was like, forgiveness starts with you, just like you said. You know, so it's like, it's nothing that you did. Because like my oldest daughter is always like, well, why didn't she want me? Was I not good enough? Was I too much of a pain as a, as a child? I'm like, no, I'm like, stop, stop, stop all that talk. Because it, it's not, it's not true. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's not true. So what your instructor slash family member did to you, like, those were his demons. Just unfortunately, his demons, you know, tormented you as well. Yep. So, you know, so for, for you, how, how did you finally make that correlation that like this was his problem? Like this wasn't something that you brought on to yourself. It, it was truly my it was truly I went to San Diego. I'm a medium. When I was younger, I used to talk to spirit, see spirit till my parents decided to bring home a Catholic priest to do an exorcism on me. Whole nother story. <laughs> that, we'll, we'll schedule that episode. Right? <laughs> I went to San Diego to truly open all of those gifts back up and to, to heal myself. So I started taking a lot of classes in energy work and, and life coaching and self-love and forgiveness. I started taking a lot of these courses with a different perspective. Yeah. And Again, I truly believe that we come here for a journey. So once I could understand that each and every one of us are just here walking a journey, trying to make the best choices that we can, then it was easier for me to focus on me and understand that it had everything to do with him and nothing to do with me. When we hold on to that anger, it's like it's like chaining ourselves to the act. It's like chaining ourselves to what happened. It's that balling chain. And we think that, you know what? I'm not going to forgive him because I'm in control now. Well, it's not true. You're just holding on to it and causing yourself even more pain. If you can learn to break that chain and release it and let that go, it's so freeing. And who are you hurting by, by holding on to it? Myself. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like you're only hurting you. Right. And I know that's a difficult thing for people to grasp, but like I had, I don't want to say, say I helped. I mean, I had a couple conversations with a woman. She had a, a heart attack and, and a stroke all in her 30s. And mm-hmm. she, she survived them both. And she, I just happened to turn on a random live, live stream and I heard her telling her story. And as I'm listening, you know, I'm a storytelling coach. So like as I'm listening, I was like, she's, she's leaving out so many details out of the story. 
And so I was like, you know, I said, let me let me just message her and just see. I was like, hey, you know, I heard you on the live stream. And I just think that there's a lot more power in that story. And so we linked up for a couple couple of Zoom meetings. And now she's up in this area anyway. She's the face of the American Heart Association, oh, you know, nice. on, on a local level. But like, but that's that's the power of telling your story. I mean, yeah, you had you had these two events, and you could have just put yourself in a bubble and just feared death. But she she didn't do that, you know. She stepped outside of that and made it about something bigger than herself. As mm-hmm. did did you? You know, you could have stayed a lifelong victim, you know. But instead, you found it took your time, but you found the courage to say, you know what, I'm going to just step into this and see what I can do to help other people right Right. so so take me through how you how you decided to to say you know what i'm going to just put this out there for for the masses and help inspire others well one of the big things is like i said i do teach a class on forgiveness and on self-love because those are two things that especially women that have been traumatized anyone that's been traumatized seem to lack yes um and then i also teach a class a course on regaining your sexuality and owning, owning that, because it's so important for us as humans. And when you're traumatized, that's a huge part of your life that, that you don't, that you don't have, and and it's important to us. Um, So I teach those classes. But one of the things that I love doing is I love sharing, because so many people feel alone, they don't understand how many people have actually been affected. And if you don't share, then you don't give other people the opportunity to say, Oh, I can relate to that. Or, you know, I want to talk to you or, you know, I I understand it. The more we talk about it, especially around sexual trauma, I cannot believe that we are still today dealing with with rape, with with certain issues in high school. I love talking to parents and high schoolers and college kids about getting consent because, you know, me in high school, I was trained at a young age that that's what I was supposed to do. So I didn't scream. No, I didn't. I wasn't that person, but you know what? You didn't ask me if it was okay either. So consent. I want kids to understand boys and girls teach our kids. Stop teaching them that sex is bad and they're going to go to hell. Stop teaching them and making them afraid. Have real conversations with them about their responsibility in it and how they need to have a conversation and how to control their hormones and make sure that each person is ready for this because you know they're going to do it. I'm sorry. So why not empower them to be responsible? Very true. Powerful, powerful words. Might might have to uh, clip clip that one out and post it on its own. That's good stuff. <laughs> but no, it's like I agree. I agree. I mean, I have I have five five kids now, and I remember having the conversations with my oldest three so so far. They're twenty three, twenty, and almost sixteen. Well, fifteen. And they have twin boys who are thirteen. So we're just starting to scratch the surface with that stuff. But I I agree. Just I just let them know that. You, you know, as humans, we can make decisions, but decisions have consequences. So it's like, yeah, just have to understand these are some potential consequences. Right. So, and, they, and you go right down the list. Like whenever people say, oh, this is a free country. We should do this. We, oh yeah, you can do what you want. There's just consequences. Like you can choose to kill someone if you want to. 
but there's consequences. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like right. you can choose to drive on the wrong side side of the road, but there's right. consequences. But you know, you know, on top of it, I want people to go even deeper with that. Because how many shows do we see out there that that we see the same old scenario? Oh, she wanted it. I know she wanted it. She didn't say mm. no. Well, did you ask her? Did you have a conversation with her? That's what I want people to understand. We have to get to that point where we're having the talks. And if they can't have them with us, they're not going to be comfortable having them with their partner. Yeah, true. You know, and and if there are so many girls out there and boys that are in the same position I was, where if they were abused at a young age, they're not necessarily going to scream no or tell you no, or fight you off, or be able to stand up to you. So have enough respect to have a conversation with that person and see if it's okay. Yes. Again, strong, strong, strong words. Love it. All right. So what are you doing now? I see your mother in healing. So how did you get that started? What do you do? What's the target? Well, I am the true epitome of a mother. No matter who you are, I'm going to mother you. It's just who I am. <laughs> it is my nature. <laughs> and again, I do want to help people heal. So that name is, is what I came up with for my business name. I work as a life coach. I do a lot of work using human design, which is another system that truly helped me understand who I am. And another reason why some of the things that happened on my journey may have been I don't want to say magnetized to me, but may have come to me. And it just helped me to understand more fully and heal from it. Um, and, and I teach classes. I just want to help people heal from their traumas and be able to live their life authentically the way they're meant to. I want, want you to define life coach for me. For me, it's that. It's, it's guiding people to their true selves. Um, so often I didn't connect with, I've been through so many counselors over the years. I did not connect with them. This way of, this way of, I, I mean, th they were good people, you know what I mean? And they tried really hard, but I just didn't connect with them. Mm -hmm. And for me, I use my mediumship skills and my intuition to connect with the people in front of me. And I allow their higher selves to help guide me into what they need to heal. So many times when I have a session with someone, we'll be talking about something that's going on in their daily life right now. And my guides will say, ask them what happened when they were seven years old. And then all of a sudden they'll start to talk to me and that's what we need to heal. Because when we can heal our younger child, then we help heal so many things now. So true, spot on. Even in the fitness world, I'll have people come in for, for their initial consultation. And now most people don't join a gym because they're in great shape. They're at their go away and they, they're feeling fabulous about themselves, right? They're, right? they're usually in some type of mental distress, you know, coming coming off of a bad relationship, coming out of a long career, maybe, like maybe they lost their job. There's usually something else that caused them to fall off the rails. And as I'm sitting with them, they're like, the first thing almost everyone says, I want to lose weight and tone up. Okay, how much weight? You know, just you know, just want to lose, you know, some. Oh, okay, no, it's like you're you're here for a specific reason. It's like you can go to Planet Fitness and join for 10, 10 bucks a month. So why are you here? You know, it's like trying to get down to the heart of the story, like it says up above us. Your true power lies in your story, yes. and that and that's true 
for any industry. Like if you're a CEO, the better in tune you are with your own personal story, you'll be able to better connect with your vice presidents, with your managers, and with the staff members. And it, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, you got to know your own story, the good, the bad, and the ugly, then you'll be able to connect with anyone in front of you. Like you and I have been talking about two completely different circumstances on here, but I feel like we're, we're connected and sharing and sharing our stories. It's like, yeah, the common bond here is we had to overcome the obstacle. Yes. You know? And I'm glad you brought that That's up because, you know, I mentioned in the beginning that I was an athlete. I, yeah. I was a top-notch athlete. Pretty much any sport I tried to do, I excelled at. And then putting on all that weight and then going in the gym, it was very hard for me because, you know what I mean? It, it was really hard being an athlete and then going in there and struggling and looking like that. And I really struggled. I worked out with a trainer, a, a group in San Diego, and they were amazing. They were amazing. And this was a very intense program. And I'm like, I really want to get back to where I was. And I lost about 20 pounds. And then I couldn't go anywhere else for six months. And they're like, write down everything you ate, do all this. do." And I did. I was doing everything they told me. And one of them looked at me one day and said, there's no way you are. You would be losing so much weight. And I said, listen, <laughs> I don't lie. And when you give me a challenge, I'm going to do it. So I've done it. And, you know, I learned about two years later that energetically, when we have trauma, many people hold on to weight, no matter what they do. Mm -hmm. You can starve yourself. But energetically, a lot of people that go through trauma hold on to weight as a way to protect themselves. So I learned that I still needed to heal another part of that to be able to start releasing that weight. Yeah. And, and on the overcoming side, right, just to just to add to that is I tell people like just last just last night I did um, an assessment with a young man and, you know, he's he wants to lose a good amount of weight. And so we went through, we did all the stats and took his measurement, took his body fat percentage, went over the numbers, went over what all of that meant. I said, and now we're going to create goals that have nothing to do with any of that. <laughs> and he looked at me like, huh? I was like, yeah, because all of this is about you. I said, we have to not make it about you. I said, so we're going to shift to performance goals. You know, like how, how fast can you hit 500 meters on the row? How fast can you get 20 calories on the air bike? How much can you deadlift? How, how heavy of a kettlebell can, can you swing? How long can you stay on a treadmill at a 15 incline at a 3.0 speed? It's like these are all other measurable things. And as those things improve, then we're going to do a check-in in six weeks and you're going to see that your body fat is down. You're going to see that, you know, all those numbers are going to be going the way they want to. But when you solely focus on the number on the scale, which this is more prevalent in, in women, is the more you focus in that one area, the harder it is. Mm. You're, you're putting that unnecessary stress on you. And I do the same thing with the storytelling said, I don't want you to focus on what happened to you. I want you to focus on how you picked up the pieces. Mm -hmm. And then they, cause the people that just focus on the what is when it gets super emotional. Like you're, you're reliving the trauma. It's right. like, I want to know from one second after through today. And that's how you want to tell that story. Yeah. That's a great way to do it. I love that. Thank so you. true.
So true. <laughs> I, learned, I learned to think it too in my 48 years, you know? <laughs> no, absolutely. All right. All right. So let's, let's start bringing it down. So, um, so how, how can people get in touch with you? Um, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook, Mothering Healing. And also, if you just do a Google search, um, I come up, which I love. <laughs> it's been so interesting to just be able to post my events and things on there, which is nice. I do work with people in person or through Zoom. And I've also been known to fly out all over the place to teach my classes. Love it. And what types of classes are they? Again, I teach I teach mediumship classes, but I also teach classes in forgiveness and self-love and sexual healing. Awesome. All right. So give us some final words. So I, I've actually seen it quite a bit. And, and unfortunately, like I'm connected with some people that have gone through sexual trauma. And some of the comments I'll see is how, how did I get myself in this position? You know, and like, how would you what would you say to that person that feels that way? I would say don't even think about that anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let that go because it's there's nothing you could have done. You know what I mean? Don't focus don't focus on like you said, don't focus on the act, focus on where you go from here. Yes. It's done. You can't do anything to go back and change anything that's happened in your life, but you can grow through it and yeah. become a stronger person. People ask me all the time, you know, everyone's asked all the time, what, what age would you go back to if you could go back? I would never. Yeah. I wouldn't go back and change anything in my life. A lot of it hurt, but all of it, all of it formed me into who I am today. And I love the person I am today. Love it. Yeah. It, I, I tell people, too, when I show them the massive scar on my knee, and I was like, oh, my God. I said, yeah, but without that. Like, I wouldn't be this guy because <laughs> I had to grow a lot through that, trying to accept, you know, initially when the do- doctor told me I would never run a jump again, like my twins were four months, four months old. Mm. My middle child was two years old. And then I had a seven year old and a 10 year old. It's like, you're trying to tell me like, I'm like, I'm super active. You know, just, just even now I still play all the sports. You know, so so I'm like, you're trying to tell me I'm not going to be able to run around with the kids at the playground. Like, I'm not going to be able to compete in track anymore. And I just got in this big pity party, woe was me stage for mm-hmm. about 45 seconds. And then I was like, you know what? No, 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 no. That, that's not me. Like, I've been a competitor my entire life. All right. This this happened. I can't change that this happened. But we can rewrite the script. Yes. Because <laughs> you know, he yeah. said, I'm never going to run a jump again. I'm going to create my own ending. So I'm yeah. like, you, you stitch me back up and then hand me the ball. I got this. <laughs> and, then, and then that first day that I ran, and it wasn't pretty by any means, <laughs> but I ran. But that moment right there, I was like, I'm getting back on the track again. You know, and yeah. so like, so my message to people, okay, so this happened to you. Now, what are you going to do with that information? Right. You know, you can use it to continually relive it. And keep yourself in a state of stress. And, and I hate I hate saying this because some people take it offensively, but but keeping yourself in a state of victimhood. Or you can take that information and like I just said, and rewrite the script. Right. And and that's what we have to do. I mean, it is hard to hear for some people because they're not there yet. They're yeah. too deep in their victim. And some people don't come out of it. Some people yeah. stay in that victimhood. But know that you always have a choice. 
Every minute you have a choice. Every single minute of the day, you get to make a choice. Yeah. And and to understand, too, that it's okay to feel what you feel. All of you it. Know, you know, it's okay. emotion. Yes, because what people have to understand with, with trauma as well, it's not something you're ever going to forget. <laughs> you know, like I tell my daughter, we were talking about depression. I was like, you don't get rid of depression. Like you manage depression, the depression. Right. You know, you found you find outlets to cope with when when feelings reach a certain level, you gotta have outlets prepared, you know, to help you cope. Like I'm just as human as everyone else. You know, there are days where you know the walls seem like they're caving in on all sides. And it's where I'll get I'll get my headphones and I'll go for for a walk. You know, if, if it's some, something minor, maybe it'd be a short walk, like a mile or so. There are days where I walk eight to twelve. Mm-hmm. It just it just depends on what's going on, but that's my outlet. You know, and I just I just implore people listening to this show, if you've been through something, find someone to talk to mm-hmm. and someone that's going to objectively listen, not someone that's going to feed into what's keeping you in the fire. Someone who will objectively listen to you, share some of their lived experiences and help you start picking up your pieces so you can rewrite your script. If there's anything you think you want to add to that before we, uh, no, that was, that was perfect. That was perfect. Yeah. You, you have to feel all of those emotions. I tell people all the time, you have to allow yourself to feel them no matter how long it takes each and every one of them. The problem is don't allow yourself to sit in them and stay there. Yes. You have to figure out what you have to do to work out of them. Exactly. I love it. Love it. Love it. This was a great, great show. Thank you again for taking the time to come and share your story. Because I know it's not always easy sharing about something like that. But there, there was a lot of power in this episode. And you, you shared a lot of, lot of golden nuggets here. And I, I'm sure, sure the people who are listening got a lot out of it. And the people who are going to be, to be listening when, once this goes to um, the podcast, all the podcast sites, and so we're, we're going to keep keep in touch, okay? Because I have I have a, a list of my podcast friends that I'm going to email to you. And if there's anyone in your, your world that you feel I should know, you know, send them my my way as well. Mm-hmm. And I'll pro- probably have you back on a panel if you're interested. I would love it. Yes, yeah, like I have one coming up on the 15th. I sent out all the invitations for that one already. But if for some reason someone can't do it, I'll reach out and I'll let you know. But like once I have everyone selected, then I'll pick a central theme that I know everyone can speak on. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just like this too. No, no prepared questions or anything. Like I'll usually start with a little opening something about what the topic is. And then we just go round table, mo- multiple rounds, just uh, just sharing our experiences about about the topic. So it's a lot of fun. A lot of good connections come from those panels as well. Absolutely. Organic is my favorite. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, when people send me a whole list of questions, I'm like, oh, <laughs> yes, yeah, me too. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> I was like, so like, we'll just start talking and we'll just see where it flows. Like my first few episodes, I used to do it that way. I'm like, I just spent an hour with this person and, and I know nothing about them. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, like I, I actually want to connect with the guests and because because from these episodes you, you never know where it might go it's like i might actually, stumble yeah. upon someone locally you know who who needs someone to speak on what you can speak on mm-hmm. you know and and if we have that connection like you're gonna stay fresh on my mind 
And it's like, oh, I got the perfect person for you. And (laughs) vice versa. I've had other people reach out to me saying, Rob, you need to meet this person right here, you know, and Mm -hmm. it all all comes full full circle. And how did we get here? It's all from sharing our stories. Yes. (laughs) Yep. You never know where it may lead. So again, thank you. I'll be in touch and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. So if you're just now tuning in, make sure you go back to the beginning and listen to all of this. Uh, Celeste shared a very powerful story about dealing with sexual trauma as a child and into her teens. But more importantly, it's about how she picked up the pieces and how she was able to become an inspiration to people all over. So that's where the power in the story is. It's not about the what, it's about the how. Like, how did you get through that? How are you able to get your mind right? How are you able to to focus on a goal after going through that for a good chunk of the first part of your life? And as I said in my opening speech, that's what this show is about. It's about overcoming the obstacles. It's about defying the odds and clearing the path to whatever is blocking you. So if she can get through that, If I can get through doctors, medical professionals telling me I would never run or jump again, and I just ran three races this past weekend, you can get through whatever you think is holding you back. So that's all I got for you. I'll be back on Thursday with another amazing woman sharing her story of defying the odds. Take care. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com. Till next time, shut up and grind.